Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the third episode of Global China Today. I'm Sin. And I'm Yahan. In today's episode, we'll be looking into China President Xi Jinping's Belt and Road Initiative, first launched in 2013. The Belt and Road Initiative aims to connect Asia with Africa and Europe via land and maritime networks with the aim of improving regional integration, increasing trade and stimulating economic growth. Mm, it seems like it's a very broad initiative. So how did China plan to realize this vision? Well, there are two branches of the BRI. There is the Silk Road Economic Belt and the Maritime Silk Road. So the belt part is the land connection. So that is everything to do with land. And then the road part is everything to do with the sea. And the belt aims to connect China to the border of Kazakhstan, Iran, Turkey, Ukraine, Russia, and then eventually the Netherlands. The road part aims to connect the land Netherlands with the sea part, which starts from Italy, then goes to Greece, Israel, down the east coast of Africa to Kenya, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Cambodia, before splitting off into two directions, one to Indonesia and the other to Vietnam and then back to China. Wow, that's a lot of countries. It's very ambitious. Yes. So how will the Belt and Road be formed realistically? Well, for the Belt part, Xi's vision includes creating a vast network of railways, energy pipelines, highways, and streamlined border crossings, both westward through the mountains from the Soviet republics and southward to Pakistan, India, and the rest of Southeast Asia. Uh, this would allow the Chinese currency to be expanded in international use, as well as to break the bottleneck and Asian connectivity to the West. For the road part, she announced his plans in the 2013 uh, Association of Southeastern Asian Nations Summit in Indonesia, and this allows hopefully to accommodate for expanding maritime trade traffic. Mm, that's really interesting, I see. Um, if I recall, President Xi Jinping actually named five major priorities for this initiative. Yes, indeed. So firstly, that would be policy coordination, infrastructure connectivity, unimpeded trade, financial integration, and lastly, connecting people. Yes, China has been trying to become more assertive in the past two decades. Uh, there has been some pushback, especially from the US, who uh, is largely not as involved uh, in the BRI. Uh, the BRI allows to, especially allows for China to develop new investment opportunities, cultivate export markets, and boost Chinese incomes and domestic consumption. It will also help China to uh, shape international norms and institutions and allow it to uh, forcefully assert its presence on the global stage. Obviously, it also tries to uh, link the Western regions uh, in terms of economic links, because historically it has been neglected. Mm -hmm. However, it seems the initiative hasn't been free of speculation and criticism since it was first launched. Well, a lot of speculations that the push for the BRI to come about was born out of China's domestic economic needs, such as needing a bigger market or improved resource security. For others, it seems that they believe the 
initiative to be a quest to dominate Europe and Asia and assert China on the global stage. In contrast to that, though, some have other speculations that maybe the BRI is instead more of a device to build relationships with other countries and reduce political instability abroad. So in this sense, when the BRI was first introduced, the U.S. Secretary of State termed it as an initiative through which China, China was peddling its corrupt infrastructure deals in exchange for political influence. So it seems that some still believe it as a soft power endeavor from China. Uh, and obviously, some of these aspects are true. Uh, however, it may be that the B it is irrelevant to the effects of the BRI and its economic impacts. So, if you so quoting Christopher Bovis, a professor of business law at the Business School of Hull, he sees the BRI in a more positive light, saying that it is sophisticated policy of our investment, which links investment with the outcomes of economic recovery, especially in parts of the world that have suffered market failures. Um, also that it's very responsive and it's a responsible leadership, which embraces the positive dynamics of industrial policies across the developing world and offers infrastructure and investment solutions to the changing of the new world order. Mm, it's definitely interesting that there's clearly such a wide variety in terms of perspectives on the BRI, but ultimately it can be said that there are most likely multiple motivations for the BRI to be introduced, given that President Xi homes such a large country like China, which has undoubtedly many, many needs. Yes, indeed. Now, obviously, it has been nearly a decade uh, uh, since the BRI has been first introduced. introduced. Uh, we can now take a step back to see how it has progressed thus far and to see if its vision has and will be realised in the future. Mm -hmm. Now that it has been nine years since the BRI was introduced, it seems that um, certain academics believe that it has not been what China has envisioned it to be. So contrary to the pitch given in 2013 when the BRI was introduced, um, China has not yet created a community of common destiny for the countries involved, and the BRI does not serve as a multinodal network with everyone connected to everyone else. So right now, it seems that the BRI is more of a hub and spokes initiative with China at its very center, and Chinese state-owned companies getting most of the work done. So this power imbalance seems to have been recognized increasingly by the countries partnering with China, which has led to many of the projects being pulled back or scaled down. And there seems to have also been um, a lot of public discontent regarding the environmental costs of the projects and the high debt load that has been incurred by the partner countries. So this has also led to sort of a detriment to China's reputation um, on the global stage since the BRI originally generated so much mistrust and was termed as a debt trap or perhaps a new form of imperialism. So the failed projects seem to have left a mark on the initiative and also on China's own image. So further beyond that, COVID has only served to worsen the progress of the projects since the Chinese government admitted that 
during the pandemic, up to 40% of BRI projects felt impact and even 20% severe impact. So it seems that the projects have on the whole not been going the way that China envisioned for it to be and that the failure of the projects have also brought about a negative impact on China's reputation. Well, obviously, uh, in regards to uh, what you have said, when it comes to saying that China is the centre of the BRI, arguably that is expected um, since it is a Chinese uh, initiative. However, it may be unfair to say that uh, it is not a multinodal network that connects everyone with everyone, especially because of the lack of time China has had. If you look at the statistics in 2020, uh, investment in East Asia was 20.43%, whereas in 2021, uh, it was, uh, oh, sorry, in 2020, the investment was 37.29% in East Asia, whereas in 2021, it was, it fell to 20.43%. This shows that China is trying to move investment into other countries. However, I believe that there hasn't been enough time for uh, this to fully, fully uh, develop and current criticisms may be slightly unfair. Now, when it comes to the debt load, again, this is a time issue. Seeing actual uh, benefits from high investments in the short run may not be necessarily, uh, may be a bit impatient. Uh, for these investments to actually yield uh, true benefits, it will take far longer than the current nine years. Uh, and therefore, again, it may be unfair to say that the BRI is a debt trap. And now, furthermore, with COVID, saying that China has failed to do what uh, it aims to do during COVID, this may be true. But again, is it fair to uh, criticise China for the lack of progress during COVID-19 when the rest of the world has also suffered and made less progress. Arguably, the BRI has made far more progress than a lot of other highly developed countries during COVID. It's definitely true that COVID has dealt a huge blow to economies all around the world and that time is a major factor in all initiatives. And so um, with the fact that the deadline for the infrastructure to be completed has been set to 2035. It seems that there's still time for the Belt and Road Initiative to progress further and that its potential in the future remains unknown. I mean, yes, that is very true. I think having discussed all of this, uh, we have reached the end of the episode. However, Sin will briefly summarize uh, what the content has been. Mm -hmm. So today we talked about the Belt and Road Initiative what it is, its primary objective, and its progress thus far. So it definitely remains to be seen how the BRI will progress in the future. And that's all we have for this episode. Yes, uh, thank you for tuning in. I will see you uh, in the next episode. We hope this episode has been insightful and thought-provoking. See you next week. Okay, bye. bye.